0: Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse with your hosts, Kate Hancock and Daniel Robbins. All right, welcome everyone. We're excited today with Meta Talks, another episode with an incredible pioneer, a woman here who's been in blockchain for many years and is doing incredible stuff. Love that she comes from the enterprise world and coming in to help. Uh, create a gap between those two worlds, blockchain, crypto, enterprise, we have Meta Parlekar. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me on the call today. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, very excited. So Meta is the co-founder and CTO of Casper Labs. Casper Labs has worked with companies such as Adobe. And then also, they are really connecting blockchain and enterprise. So I cannot wait to hear hear more about how that's going what that's all about so meta why don't you first start off and tell everyone uh, what was your journey like to get where you are today
1: well gosh uh, my journey was really a windy road I kind of got involved in technology very early on when I was a young girl actually I credit my dad for that he made sure that I was apprised of the tech and how it works so early 80s you know literally uh, in the basement (laughs) uh, of our home in Canada uh, building building computers, learning how to code back then. And it followed me through college. I, I had a PC on my desktop. Uh, I'd been using word processing software since I was, you know, about 14 years old uh, for all of my essays, brought it to college as the only kid in college that had a processor, word processor in my dorm and, uh, you know, left technology for a bit and then came back to it around the dawn of the internet and got involved Uh, with tech then and then started working at some great companies Um, I had the opportunity to work at mp3.com where we were trying to revolutionize digital music then worked at uh, Omniture um, and DivX and Omniture was ultimately acquired by Adobe Um, that's where the Adobe connection comes and you know worked there in SaaS software and then came into blockchain actually after my term with Avalara uh, which ended in 2016, where I was doing tax compliance software in, in a financial services industry and f- fell in and got really, you know, enamored by the promise of what blockchain can do for society as a whole. And, you know, was approached to co-found Casper Labs in 2018. And the rest is history.
0: I love that. And something that really stood out. I mean, you have a lot of um, incredible accomplishments, but the fact that you you focused on martial arts, and how that has shaped a lot of the things that you do. Can you tell everybody about that? I personally, I've loved martial arts since I was a, a little kid. I mean, I wanted to be Bruce Lee and maybe Chuck Norris or Sean claude Like that was, you know, I really have always had a passion and love for martial arts. So can you explain to everybody, how does that tie in?
1: It really shaped who I am. I actually came into martial arts pretty late in life, um, I started when I was 37, so I'm 52 right now, started when I was 37, and I came into it in a period of my life where I was going through a lot of challenges, uh, and it helped me really find my power. Um, I've always been a female in technology. You know, I, you just heard my story. I've always been the only female director in most engineering organizations. Uh, I think there was maybe one or two notable differences in my career where I was not the only female uh, executive in engineering. And martial arts really shaped me to, you know, speak up, find my power, give my, allow myself to have the authority that others had already conveyed on me. Um, you know, my leaders, leaders in the organizations had entrusted me to do, to do things in the org, but I had not entrusted myself for lack of a better way of putting it. And when you have to find yourself on the mat, um, and show up every single day and, Try to achieve something for nothing other than yourself. Um, it's really all about destroying the enemy within. I, I could do a whole podcast just on martial arts, honestly, uh, <laughs> because I could talk about it all day. But yeah, I mean, in terms of, of of what it does and and what it's done for me, it's really allowed me to grow into the person I am today. So I could do the work that I'm doing today. Really, that's it in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, you, you bring up something really interesting. We recently had a uh, Kathy Hackle as a guest. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kathy. Um, but she said if you see it, you can be it. And that really stuck with me. And so what do you think about that in terms of you mentioned being usually being uh, one of the few women, I'm sure one of the few executives who are women in tech. So what do you think about that when somebody says if you see it, you can be it and just the power in being in your position and who you are and having other young women see that they can also be you.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, even if you talk to any celebrity, a lot of celebrities will say uh, "Whoopi Goldberg, for example, always saw herself as being a comedian. And even though when nobody else believed in her, she believed that she would see herself. She saw herself that way. She was already there. Um, I think the same thing holds true. For anyone, right? So, if you can envision yourself in doing something that is your ultimate dream goal and you have a clear vision for that, and then you allow yourself to be in the moment and allow yourself to have it and believe you can have it and believe you deserve it, it will come to you. You know, you will be able to find your way there. Uh, For me, I never really, like, I don't know if I saw myself as a CTO when I was younger or see myself co founding this company. Um, But I can tell you that um, I definitely did see myself as a leader in engineering technology very early on in my career. Um, I felt that this was something that uh, I was very good at. I I got a lot of uh, I felt I felt very fulfilled doing it. I feel like it's a really important, important role for me to fill to be to allow people to do their best work, right, to allow people to grow and learn and contribute. In a really meaningful way, um, so that they can become better people and they can go through their growth trajectory. And being an enabler and a facilitator for that it really, really excites me. So, in, in building Casper Labs, you know, obviously we've built phenomenal technology, but I'm super, super proud of the team that we've built and the work ethos and how people are growing and learning and contributing and collaborating. This is, this is where uh, I, I really am super proud of what we built there.
0: Yeah, I can tell that you're a true leader. Like you're very passionate about that, um, which is always amazing. I think there needs to be more true leaders as executives for organizations. Always great to have a visionary, but true leaders really make the company. Uh, so I'm curious, you said 2018 is when you co-founded the company, correct? That's right. Yep. So a lot has happened in four years. We were just speaking recently about how the explosion of NFTs last year really, and obviously cryptos, you know, been up and down for a while, but NFTs really exploded in the media, the hype, uh, but it brought a lot of awareness to a lot of the things that are surrounding. If we say Web3, you know, next generation internet, I know it's so many different things in there, but what have you seen as the differences between if you look back to 2018 uh, to today?
1: Well, in the space that we are, right, so Casper Labs is really focused on the enterprise adoption of public blockchain or and blockchain technology broadly, right? And we've built a technology purpose built for that. What we have definitely seen is people are waking up to the fact that blockchain is here to stay. Um, a lot of enterprises are now piloting and investing in the technology, becoming familiar with the technology, exploring how they can leverage it in their businesses. I feel like regulatory environment is shifting and the adoption curve that we're seeing with blockchain feels very similar to what we saw with the internet. Early, I was there, you know, in the dawn of the internet, 1996, 1997. So the the adoption curve following that is very, very. It's very apparent to me. It's very, very obvious. And in the way enterprises are, you know, initially we're waiting and seeing is this thing really going to stick around? To now we're starting to get to a place where. People are acknowledging it's here to stay. We need to figure out a way to adopt it. What is the most sensible, low-risk way for it to, us to adopt the technology? And really, that's what makes, you know, Casper Labs offering really cool is because we're here to take advantage of that, of that timing. And yeah, I mean, between, you know, 2017 and now, that's like one of the big things I've seen in terms of, you know, adoption in the enterprise space i've also seen people are also recognizing that it's a boom bust cycle but then that the real use cases are starting to emerge out of that you know out of that boom bust and you know, companies that are here to build and deliver real value and solve real problems are the ones that are going to last in the long run right so we are focused on building lasting you know delivering and building lasting value for customers and the ecosystem as a whole
0: yeah thank you for that i think there's a lot of things That we've seen that are more come and go or more of just let me get some media hype around this, but they're not really going to stay in it long term. And so I'm curious, we do have a lot of listeners uh, or a lot of people that watch the show and they are entrepreneurs. Uh, They're also executives. Maybe they don't even know what blockchain even is, or maybe they know a little bit about it. Can you explain some of the use cases that you have found, whether you've worked on it or ones that you've seen to be most successful? Uh, or maybe even some that are even up and coming. I know I'm throwing a lot of questions, but I think we've gotten this question a few times around specific use cases, but we've never really gone too deep into the enterprise world. And I think I'm very interested to hear about that as well as the audience will love it. So what are some use cases that that you would love to share?
1: We're working on a bunch of really interesting things. So let's let's talk about use cases, right? So one example is, around customer engagement right consumer or customer engagement you can use nft technology to reach into uh, your customer base and create a one-to-one relationship and this is particularly interesting if you're building a product and you don't necessarily have a direct to customer relationship what's such an example like think of a retailer that's building makeup or your retailer or sorry a, a, a product creator but you have a distribution channel through which your products are distributed right Maybe Amazon's a great example. Maybe you're distributing your products through Etsy. Maybe you're distributing your products through some other mechanism by which you don't have a one-to-one relationship with your customer. You can offer a digital collectible, like a digital NFT. And when your customer redeems that, you now can establish a one-to-one relationship with that customer. You can communicate with them. If they come to your website, you can drop them offers. You can have a streamlined experience with them directly without even needing to use an email address, right, without having to do clippable coupons. So this is one way in which a lot of big brands are doing digital twins, for la- for, as example, right? Um, you'll see Nike and other big retailers, as an example, that will offer these digital twins because they don't have a co- connection with their customer directly, right? You sign up for newsletters and you may get rebates and you may get emails, but that's not nearly as engaging or as sticky as an NFT experience. This is one use case we're seeing a lot of adoption in the brand marketing space. Another use case we can talk about in in financial services or in fintech is uh, Casper Labs has a joint venture with uh, Nucleus Finance that is actually taking the um, algorithmic standards, right? So if you build a mortgage or you look at a mortgage product. It's actually algorithmic, right? The way a mortgage works in terms of the amount of your payment's going to be and how much is principal and how much is interest and how that loan gets paid off over a term, that is an algorithm, right? And so you can express all of these financial contracts on the blockchain as smart financial contracts. And as we're all well aware, the current financial system is 40 years in the making and they are still using first generation programming languages right in some of the biggest banks and i believe blockchain is going to really upend the fintech sector and those companies that will adopt are the ones that are going to be able to recognize a tremendous amount of value in addition to providing consumers better products at better prices with more transparency right so we have an entire suite of products that we've developed specifically around this vertical um that basically algorithmically translate translate these contracts into algorithms and put them on the blockchain. Yeah was, you, it, go ahead.
0: Oh no I was gonna say it's really interesting, especially from a global perspective. I mean, like you're saying, banks here even in the US where we're talking from are still far behind, but banks that are in other countries are like light years behind. So I can I can imagine I, I have heard recently Of some countries that i i would have never thought that they would jump all the way to blockchain but they're looking at this as a way to completely revamp their systems that are very very far behind and maybe even bring them you know up to the speed of you know a country like the us where it's usually hard to to be equal like you mentioned the internet in late 90s early 2000s it wasn't everywhere there's limited amount of people that could access it but now with you know, I mean, there's 5G and remote islands that I've been to, which is incredible. So now with the internet and the access everywhere, seems like a lot of companies can see the value, but I love that you bring up fintech. So how do you see that uh, happening or transitioning from a global perspective?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. So definitely a lot of the banks are getting together and they have designs on eliminating Swift, right? And the Swift is a really archaic Uh, mechanism, right? Uh, Swift is basically their only value proposition is to establish trust between banks. And so a lot of the banks I feature are going to get together and form some kind of consortium blockchain, whereby they can do international payments much, much faster, uh, much, much cheaper, and with greater efficiency and greater trust, right? So I think that they see the writing is on the wall. I think that they see the opportunity and Almost every bank, you know, we've talked to several banks and they're all looking at blockchain technology. They all have prototypes. They have heads of blockchain inside their organizations um, because they're taking this technology very seriously. So I see this technology upending the financial system, right? And, and you know, uh, the, the Internet upended retail and it upended content creation. So those business models are fundamentally shifted as a result of the Internet. And I think we're going to see a fundamental shift both in legal contracts and in fintech with blockchain, and so I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to deliver a great amount of value to the consumer.
0: Yeah, and no, I would love to get into the into the um, the contracts, the smart contracts, quickly before we do. Have you seen another time where companies uh, see the value in in collaborating with one another? What you mentioned there really stuck out around typically, you know, competitive organizations, enterprises, they don't always, you know, want to come together and create this consortium, you know, consortium that that's going to help all. But do you see, do you see this maybe being so much different than before where enterprise level, they actually see the value in in what used to be competition, but now is collaboration?
1: So this is a great, great question. Um, And the reason I find it super interesting is because, yes, you're correct, blockchain does allow for parties that don't trust each other to come together. Right. That's what's that's one of the key value propositions of this technology, particularly public blockchain. When you look at competitors now collaborating, there's a couple of really interesting challenges that come to mind. And namely, you can kind of bundle these all up as governance. Right. So as an example, well, if I share my data with you, you're a competitor of mine. If I share my data with you in some meaningful way, let's say customers, if I share some customer data with you, because we may both be offering the same product, good or service, that maybe they're even complementary, Maybe they're not direct competitors. But if I share my customer data with you and that makes your process easier, well, how do I get compensated for that, right? That's that's what the rub becomes, right? And they haven't, we haven't figured out all those governance systems and what those incentive models look like. That's one challenge. The second challenge is sometimes the data sharing is highly regulated, right? Excellent example is you know healthcare data is highly, highly regulated. Um, insurance data, these are you know this information is also highly regulated. And so even if these companies come together and say we want to agree to share some subset of data because it actually even provides value to the consumer, they may not be able to do that because the data sharing of the data is a highly regulated industry, right? And so they're not even allowed to share it amongst themselves in a single regulated vertical. So I think there's some real challenges on the regulatory front around doing some of this data sharing. And then you can try to anonymize it and maybe you know have the customer grant some access to it. And so you get some technologies or technological solutions where this is possibly enabled, right? where the consumer gives up the data, right? The, the consumer volunteers the data and, and they're compensated for volunteering it. So there are a lot of really in, in a lot of great innovation and a lot of great ideas around what are the kind of safe frameworks in which we can allow companies to come together. So I can give you a, a really interesting real-world example of how these are emerging is on the Casper blockchain, we're working with IPWE, which is one of our customers, one of our early customers, and they're building patent bundles. Right. So if you think about uh, they have an NFT marketplace for patent technology, patents, basically, and they built a technology to allow companies to buy and sell patents. And then you can track the provenance of who owns a patent. Um, And patents are very valuable. They're digital goods. They're a perfect fit for NFT technology. And what they're building now is a, a concept where a standalone patent may not be valuable, but you can have a set of related patents that when you bundle them together, the sum is greater than the parts, right? So now what you can have is in smart contract, a bundling of a variety of patents in NFT format, and the participants that all agree to share these patents can negotiate their royalties for these patents, right? And it's all done in smart contract. So now I can buy a bundle of patents and the value ascribed to that bundle can be distributed via smart contract to all the companies that have, part, you know, basically contributed to this bundle. And so I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that emerge. Um, I'm super excited about this offering because it's going to be one of the first Times where you're actually going to see competitors. These are bona fide competitors in space. They're all competing in pat- on the patent for, uh, uh, space, right? They're all competing like in mobile, for example, coming together so that they can all accrete value and they're doing it using this public blockchain technology. So for me, I'm like super hyped about this, about this project.
0: I guess the sum is greater than the one. So I, it totally makes sense. And I can imagine... Something like patent, it's it's kind of an old industry. Yeah, I, I mean, you probably have a lot of people that have been been in it for a while and trying to explain to them. I would think smart contracts and blockchain and all this stuff might be, you know, are you finding that people are taking it and and running with it, or are you finding that you know they're hesitant? Like you mentioned, I think I think in the past, which I'm actually surprised how how quickly adopted some enterprises were. Since in the past, it seems like they're usually more cautious and, and slow to move. But are you finding that people in this world are are they adopting? Are they picking it up? Are they you know, understanding it? Or are, are you still finding that a lot of people are very hesitant and more just because they don't understand the technology?
1: So we're finding a mix specifically here with this patent technology, there's a product, it's a SaaS offering, right? So the blockchain kind of fades to the background. It's an implementation detail, right? Uh, Which is nice because that's how I believe blockchain should actually function. I think... I mean, when you use an application today you know, on your mobile phone or in the on the Internet, right, in your browser, you don't really care if it's an Oracle database or a MySQL database. It's an implementation detail. You don't even care about the database. Right. And our view at Casper and Casper Labs is that the blockchain kind of fades to the background. Right. The blockchain is an enabler that allows you to trust whatever passes through it. So it's a trust technology, it's a, it's, a, it's a technology that enables multi-party and counterparty trust and reduces risk. That's what a blockchain does, right? So when you, when you frame it that way for enterprise and you say, look, it's just a piece of your technology stack and it, it's an enabler for all of these great tools, we find that they are now coming around and adopting and having the exact same conversation we're having is like, tell me about some of these use cases that you're building. What are some of the possibilities? And they are eager to get educated on the technology and kind of go through this ideation phase with us.
0: Yeah, it's, um, we, were, we were onboarding. I'm not sure if you're familiar with YPO or Young Presidents Organization, but we did some onboarding of some of their, they're mostly executives at larger corporations. And we brought them into a virtual space. We called it onboarding to the metaverse. And the interesting thing is they didn't really care about any of it. They only asked, what are the use cases? That was the only question they asked. And I it, may, it got me thinking like, huh, very interesting how, like to your point, does it really matter? Do we need to know so much about the technology? It just seems that some people are really caught up on the technology where, like you said, I don't even really know how a lot of the internet works. I just know that it works and I know how I can use it. Uh, but it does seem that, I don't know if maybe because people are more educated now, or, um, I don't, maybe they're more interested to learn, but it seems like a lot of people want to maybe overcomplicate a lot of things, just having to know everything when the reality is, um, to your point, you just need to know the basics, how it functions, how you utilize it. So I find it interesting that, uh, and I've seen this too, that the more enterprise executive, they really wanted to know more about use cases, going back to what you said for, um, for the global perspective of data it's it's quite fascinating because this is so global i think it used to be a lot of more regionalized or like where do you do business i do business in this country where now it's you know you could spin multiple regions countries you have the eu has a complete you know different take on data than than the u.s or north america or asia so how are you finding challenges or risks outside of just data though with a lot of these companies being so global and, and obviously blockchain being, you know, global.
1: Yeah, so it's it's a super interesting space, right? I mean, from, from our perspective, with respect to the protocol that we've built, we built capabilities in the protocol and we built a protocol that is flexible enough to meet the needs of our customers, right? We believe that flexibility on the blockchain is really, really important, Right. Uh, you know, history is immutable, but the future is unwritten. That's the way I like to see it. And you need to provide flexibility to your customer because regulatory environments change, uh, customer requirements change, right? So when you think about in a global world, right, a customer will have different business units, a large Fortune 500 customer will have bus- different business units. And each of those business units will have different requirements, right? And so we, need, we needed to provide a technology stack that would support Everything that the customer needs, right? You know, GDPR in the United Kingdom and in and in Europe versus you know HIPAA in the United States, and I think that's the the real power and the beauty of at least the blockchain that we've built, right? Some of the other protocols you find in the space, they they tout immutability, but immutability is really a double edged sword, right? And I see immutability as a way to sidestep regulation. It's like, oh, I've I've shipped this smart contract. Now you can't make me take it down, and I think that's perfectly fine for that segment. But I don't think it's it's I don't think it's sustainable in the long run, and I certainly don't think it's for enterprise. Uh, enterprise definitely needs flexibility. So, from my perspective, you will find that you'll have different smart contracts and different applications running uh, for different segments of the world. Um, And each will need to meet their own specific regulatory requirements around privacy, customer protection, and and the like. And, you know, you think about trying to KYC someone, but you really don't know where anybody is in the world, right? And this is a real challenge. Um, I don't think there's a solve yet uh, because you can just use a VPN. And if all you're doing is looking at somebody's IP address, you really don't know where they are, right? You can do your best due diligence, but there's still going to be ways to sidestep around it.
0: Can you explain for everyone what KYC means in case they don't know?
1: KYC is know your customer. Uh, It's very much a blockchain term, but it exists in traditional finance. When you open up a bank account, you have to give them your driver's license, your social security number. They have to see you in person and they'll look at your ID. It's, it's, it's that process that we've always gone through. Um, It, it now extends into the world of crypto because there's large amounts of money that are being exchanged when you purchase crypto. And these are now online banks or money transmitters. And so they have to put you through the same process you would when you're opening up a bank account.
0: So uh, thank you for that. I actually didn't know. So I I was wondering what that was. Uh, (laughs) I've seen it everywhere, especially now. I I know Binance and KYC, you know, are, are a, are a hot media topic right now. So I'm curious though, from, from your perspective and, and your thoughts as a, if I'm an e-commerce, let's say I have, you know, an e-commerce store and data to me is very important because like you mentioned, I want to follow up with my customers. It's very expensive to acquire a new customer. So if I can you know nurture my existing customers, however, if I'm using, they're utilizing wallets and I don't really have a way besides, like you mentioned, I can do an airdrop, I can send NFT, but if that's the only way I can contact also, how do I even know where to ship? I did hear some people had some issues with this and I'm sure it's been solved because this is many months ago, but they used wallets, but they didn't know actually where to even ship the products when the person, when, when the person purchased it. So, I don't know if you've, you've solved any of these or what your thoughts here, I know this is just more of the e-commerce side, but I am really curious on how companies like Nike and others, if you're only utilizing wallets and, and you have very low visibility of data, uh, besides an NFT airdrop, how are they making sure that a people even get the products and then B, uh, how do they follow up with the, with the customers besides doing an airdrop?
1: So what you see today in the world is when you buy a product, you register it, you fill out that little warranty card, oh, fill this out for your warranty, right? And you send it in, right? That's I hate that. I always forget. Exactly, right? So imagine now you buy the product and you scan a QR code on your phone and then it just says, oh, okay, here's your QR code and you enter the serial number and then what that does and you hit submit and it mints, you enter a serial number and you may actually enter a wallet address, right? Right. Um, or it sends you an email and it says, here, here is your registration card and your warranty. And in that would be like click to redeem and you click to redeem it and you create an address and then you keep your private keys and it goes into a wallet. That would be the workflow, right? Instead of mailing something in, no guarantees you got it that's how it would work so you purchase the product but then on the side you scan and you register this is how this is the workflow that i have seen or this is the workflow that i am recommending right because it's very seamless that way right so that way they've got the product they you've already proven that they have the product and you can see that they have the product they they've shown that they have a receipt or the date that they purchased it something that integrates that into the acquisition process of the product. And then the NFT or the digital good is a fast follow on. Right. And then now you, you can see that they purchased a the product, you know what pro- products they've purchased and then you can start dropping offers to them. So it's more after ah, the fact versus. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Well, I never even thought about the, the warranty. I hate that when they're like, do you have your receipt? but then for some reason they can't find it in their system or they thought they emailed it to you. And mm-hmm. and it was like an old email address or I never got the email. And then exactly. like it's we're terrible. looking at each other. It's horrible experience. Like customer experience plus everybody right now is really short staffed. And so. And then you, you know, get just, all kinds of
1: spam in your email, which is horrible, right? It's horrible. I know that. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're not even, I usually give them an email. I don't even use anymore. Cause like, exactly. I'm, I don't want to get any more stuff, but no, this, I never even thought about that. So Thank you. I mean, this is great. And I feel like we could continue talking for another two or three hours because there's so many use cases. So maybe as we grow further, I would love to have you back. Um, I think it'd be a great conversation. We can continue. I know you're really busy today as well. But Meta, if you can tell everyone and by the way, amazing name. We were talking about that. Your name went from being like you mentioned as a kid. People might even make fun of you for your name. Now you have like the greatest name that everyone is talking about every day. And it has a fantastic (laughs) meaning. Um, So, Meta, can you tell everyone, too, if they want to learn more about Casper Labs and learn more about you?
1: Oh, absolutely. So feel free to ping me on Twitter. I'm at mparlacar. I'm also um, available on Telegram and a variety of other LinkedIn. You can find me there. Fortunately, there's only one Meta, Parlicar. so if you search for me, you'll find me. Um, And you can find out about Casper Labs at casperlabs.io. Um, we have a Discord server. We, we have a big social media presence. So feel free to follow us and reach out to us. And I'm always happy to talk uh, about this topic, about blockchain and use cases and educate folks. So thanks a lot for having me on the, on the, you know, the podcast today, Daniel.
0: Yes, for sure. So everyone, check out casperlabs.io and Meta Parlekar. Uh Love the name. So search the name and she is there. She, you can find her everywhere. So go everywhere. I've watched, you know, your posts on LinkedIn and everything that your company is doing is really incredible. So, thank you Meta and we will see everyone later. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe and visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z.